welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Hey, produce people. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kelly. As always, I am honored to be here coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Today is July 25th, 2022, the last Monday, everyone, in July, and that marks seven months already completed of the 2022 year. A couple announcements before we get started today. July 27th, 2022, we have our virtual networking hour sponsored by Golden Star Citrus, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Also, be on the lookout for new live streams coming. We are going to talk with Blue Missions, Water for All, about the hike, the trek in the Dominican Republic coming up this November, and we want the produce community to be a part of it. And if you haven't checked out the Produce Industry Podcast's YouTube channel, please go check out the show. We just dropped an episode last week, Snacks from Texas Harvest. That's right, five easy on-the-go snacks from Texas, everyone. Now today we have a very special guest. She is the Director of Sales at Frida's Branded Produce and also a family member. Her grandmother, Frida Kaplan, who started the organization. Her mother, Karen, who still works there as well. And now the third generation. We're going to talk a little bit about Frida's, but we're really going to have some fun talking the generational gap in the produce and supply chain industry. That's right. We're going to talk about you boomers, you generation Xers, you millennials, Gen Z, and even tell you the up and coming generation, everyone. So I'm happy to have Alex online today and get this episode started with some fresh new content. Hey, Alex, welcome to the show today. Hey, Pat. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am excited, one, because we're going to talk about Frida's a little bit and the history of the family, which I have heard so much about from a fellow colleague and our co-host, Dan, the produce man of Vakian, who was a huge fan of your grandmothers, your mothers. So I'm excited to have you on the line. Um, And you're going to we're going to talk about one. Uh, Frida's, but two, one of my favorite subjects, which is generations. So uh, happy to have you here and just really excited to get deep in this conversation today, Alex. Yeah, I'm super excited too. And it's really cool to kind of bring this full circle with my mom and my grandma, having talked to Dan over the years and now myself getting to talk to you, Pat. And I've seen you from a distance recording the podcast at trade shows and walking around show floors. So I'm really excited to get to be here with you today. And I also love talking about generations. I come from a third generation family business and I manage many generations in the department that I lead. So I'm excited to talk more today and also learn more from you. Anytime we can talk about learning, I'm in. I'm in because I want to learn myself. I tell everybody on the podcast, they say, what's your favorite thing about running the produce industry podcast? And I say, the wealth of knowledge. Like I was walking through the hallway the other day of my, my house and I started thinking about, like I said, dragon fruit, papaya. And, and it's like, why am I thinking about this? But I was thinking about the growing seasons and I was thinking like, man, when I'm like 60, 70 years old, am I going to be like that John Pandel that walks around and is able to tell you stories about, oh, you know, in 1997, you know, visited this in Ecuador. And, and I was thinking about that going, I just, so many people, these subject matter experts like yourself, like others that have just, they're just, it's like, it's just coming in. 
And I'm just a sponge right now, taking it all in. So that's one of my favorite things about being you know, here on the podcast and then growing our industry together. That's what it's about. Opportunity, challenges, and, and making them work. So before we get into the generational talk, because that's what we're going to talk about mostly today, um, our listeners might not know who Frida's is. So uh, if you could give a 30,000 foot overview, um, let our listeners know. So Frida's branded produce is a 60-year-old produce marketer grower shipper based right outside Los Angeles. And we were founded by my grandmother, Frida Kaplan in 1962. And she started selling brown mushrooms on the LA wholesale produce market, which were considered exotic back then. And she had founded the company as Produce Specialties Inc. You know, clearly demonstrating to all those that walked by her stand on the market that she sold specialty produce. And because she was known for specialties like brown mushrooms, she then was given the opportunity to bring in product from all over the world that no one had really ever heard or seen distributed in the United States before. And because of that, and because she was also the only woman on the sales floor of the produce market at the time, and the first woman to own a produce business, she stood out even more so. And because of that, and she was able to be the go-to person when someone had something exotic. And because of that, she had the Chinese gooseberry brought to her from New Zealand, which she eventually sold and started marketing as the kiwi fruit. So Frida is most known for introducing the kiwi fruit to America and naming it kiwi among 200 other produce items. So since 1962, our company has introduced 200 fresh produce items to U.S. supermarkets all over the country, including habanero peppers, sugar snap peas, shallots, jicama, seedless watermelon, and more exotic things like purple artichokes, black garlic, and purple sweet potatoes. And so now my mom, Karen, and my aunt, Jackie, own and run the company. Frida passed away two years ago. We miss her terribly. She would have been 99 this year. And I'm the third generation uh, working in the family business. And we now we sell about 95 products to retailers and food service distributors all over the country. That's fantastic. And I, I remember I was walking a show, um, geez, I think it was SEPC. And I ran into Alan and Alan said, hey, I like your shoes. And I said, thanks, man. He's like, have you seen mine? And I, and I turned it back and it was the pair of Nikes that was the Kiwi pair of Nikes. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was awesome. And, you know, I, I brought that up just because one, we're going to start talking about the generations, but that's where I almost caught wind of your company. I, I know that sounds crazy, Alex, because when Dan told me about, you know, uh, Frida's and your grandmother and your mom, and, and it didn't click for me. I, I, I know that sounds crazy, right? It didn't mm-hmm. click for me. But then when I saw the shoes and when I met Alan, he, it, it all came full circle. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, wait, you're the guy, you're the, the shoe. Uh, like it all, it all just made sense at that point. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Alan, it was Alan a new was awesome, balance collab. Too. That was really cool. So it's a cool partnership. And if you see me around the shows, I always have some pretty dynamic shoes on. I create shoes for every single trade show. I base them around a theme of maybe what's going on, what state we're in what products are in those states and things like that. So I try to get a little creative as well, try to have a little bit of fun in my, 
my millennial mindset is I'm going to call it, uh, Alex. That's fun. That sounds cool. I like that. Hey, and, well, we, we actually auctioned off one of the pairs of shoes too for the first uh, go around and we're going to try and have some more fun with that. Um, but, you know, let's, let's talk about the generational gap. Cause you said you, you had three generations in your organization before you probably still do. And I'm going to name the generations. So if you look at obviously three names was on that, right? Yourself, mm -hmm. your mom and your grandma, mm -hmm. that's going to be millennial gen X and silent generation. Mm -hmm. Those three generations has really, uh, oh, sorry, actually your mom might be a boomer. She's How, a what? boomer. Yeah. Your mom is a boomer. So you're looking she at is. millennial skip gen X, go to boomer mm -hmm. and then silent generation, three of the top and really, I would say not the largest, but influential. Oh, Gen X, you are going to be pissed at me. <laughs> Don't care. Here we I go, denying their existence once again. again. <laughs> hey, again, don't worry. There's only 40 million of you and, and, and slowly shrinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some are saying they're not Gen X and all that, but you've got three that are in there. The silent generation, and I talk about this a lot, which the silent generation went through crazy times from the depression uh through the wars right and then raising these boomers you know boomers got their name why because guess what all the people were coming back from war all the veterans and guess what they were doing alex <laughs> they were making babies making and babies yeah called it the baby boom because once they came back from war all of a sudden america had this infestation of all these young children so it was they they coined the name baby boomers so mm -hmm. and i and and i know this is getting long-winded everyone we want to hear from alex but then it went to the stage of the boomers then were the largest generation in america's history the largest generation so that being said during that largest generation and during the times of i would say your grandma was an exception to work as long as she did. My grandmother retired at the age of about 44 to 45. When you wow. were she worked in the grocery store business, she was retired. I can't remember my grandmother working. Wow. Yeah. I don't She was always retired. Mm -hmm. She retired at the right age when you were allowed to. And then the baby boomers took over a lot of those positions, right? Mm -hmm. Hence to now. Um, where we are today with baby boomers still being in control, right? Yep. Gen X, I, I love you, Gen X, but guess what? You're still not in control yet. Yeah. <laughs> you're I not love quite you, there. But you're still not there yet. And guess what? You've got 76 million millennials that are that are right behind you thinking they're that next spot as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, let's let's talk about a little bit about that change. And I've seen it shift in my life. I've worked for boomers. Uh, I've, I've worked with millennials. I've worked with Gen X. And I believe, you know, the overall goal of working together is what we want to go for. But let's have some fun. How about that? Let's have some fun. Yeah, and, let's do it. I'm down. Let's get into like our top five things that we love and hate about the generations. I think, I think that's what we should get into. And, and really, let's make it, like I said, let's make it fun that we're not ridiculing you. But maybe, maybe we'll talk about stereotypes and why. Mm -hmm. So let's get into it. I want to hear yours. Let's, let's hear it, Alex. Yeah. So I think, you know, 
right now, especially in our industry, we have boomers still leading and also sometimes still being our roadblocks to changing things in this industry. But what I do love about boomers is their perspective is unique. And especially in the produce industry that was so for so many years, just a generational family business industry and everyone knew everyone. Um, I do love their perspective at times. And I love the stories of, you know, back in the day when they'd go to trade shows and conversations they had and stories they told. And what I also appreciate about them is, and Frida's has experienced this with so many product introductions, is what's old is new again sometimes. So there are times when the boomers bring a perspective and it it shows us like, oh, well, no one's done that for 20 years, but it's time to revisit that concept. So I do love what the perspective can do. And where I struggle sometimes with boomers is, you know, it's this generation now, millennials and Gen Z, it's about working smarter, not harder. It's about working smarter and not working more hours and staying until the, all the fruit sold and canceling your vacation because you didn't finish this project at work, it's, you know, that's changing. So I struggle sometimes having to continue to teach the boomer generation that it's all about working smarter, not harder. You just said so much of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Work smarter, not harder. I, I say that all the time. You know, you know, why does this matter? Right. And people might be thinking that who cares? Alex, Patrick, shut up. Why does it matter? Just do your job, go to work, get it done. Well, generational conflict affects your bottom line, everyone. And if you're a normal consumer out there and you're like, listen, this doesn't affect my bottom line. Think about your kids, the relationship with your family, the relationship with your friends. All of that has to do with that bottom line, whether that's your emotion or where that's revenue, right? Think about it. Because how many times if there's generational conflict, and I'm going to bring it up, we're not going to get into it, but politics. The older generation has a firm way of looking at politics versus Mm -hmm. the younger generation. And both will never meet eye to eye because they were born in two different generations. They might say, I'll agree on that bill. Oh, but this guy or this gal, no way. That affects the bottom line somehow, some way. So definitely got to look at that. And it's costing companies millions of dollars and if you're a consumer it's costing you time Mm -hmm. it is costing you time so think about think about this alex as we talk about what we love and hate about the different generations i love actually every generation i I love the silent generation the most because i miss my my nana as well Mm -hmm. and her thought process was so patrick what are you doing you're not shouldn't you be at work why, why are you stopping by my house and, yeah. and all that? But I would be like, hey, I was driving and I wanted to come see you and I have lunch breaks and I'm allowed to come do that. But even her, she would yell at me just for stopping by and coming to say hi, thinking that I had to be at work. And I love that about her. I love yeah. that she was always pushing me. She was always telling me, don't get, don't be late. Make sure you show up 15 minutes early. You didn't even know I did it. I, I mean, and I say that with all due respect, I did it my way, right? But I still loved the enthusiasm of, hey, stand up straight, open mm-hmm. the door for someone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And, I, and that's what I loved uh, you know, about my Nana. And, and I'll tell you what, what I love most about the baby boomers uh, today is the willingness 
to show the way. Uh, I would say 10 years ago, it was shut up and do what you're told. And I think now today, it's more or less like, hey, we understand we're on our way out. Let me show you what I've done. And then what you do from there is that's on you because I won't be around in eight more years. I'll be, I'll be retired, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I do love that um, about the boomers as well. And even Gen X, what I love about Gen X is they're so willing to be on board with millennials. You know, yeah. if, if we have um, some type of decision, you know, we're jumping to them going, hey, what do you think of this? Even though we know they're the status quo generation, they go by the book, they go to church on Sundays, they, they, they got their car payment. You know what I mean? They've got mm-hmm. that straight regimen. I love the fact that they always want to jump in and they're always looking for that next big thing as well. Yeah, right. definitely. So, and then for you millennials out there, I'm gonna like Alex take over because I'm gonna let her talk about the Gen X and what she <laughs> loves about Gen X and millennials as well. Yeah. So, you know what? I am a millennial. And I remember when like the concept of millennials was first being talked about, you know, dun, dun, dun. Right? Like eight, you know, six to 10, six to eight years ago. And, you know, I remember all the older generations in our office at the time were like, you're the exception. You're not like all these other millennials. You're not entitled and you want to work hard and blah, blah, blah. And I struggled with that because what I love about millennials is they bring, you know, and you kind of touched on this, Patrick, was there were certain things for so many years you couldn't talk about at work or you couldn't bring into business and that you shouldn't let impact your business life. And what I love about millennials is we're the generation that is dying to help change the world and improve the world. And Gen Z, which we'll get to, I know, is like actually doing a lot about it. But what I love about millennials is they're not afraid to believe in what they believe in and tolerate other people's beliefs, even if they disagree and be able to do good, powerful work in the workforce that also support causes that, that help, you know, the human population. So that's what I love about millennials. And I think where I struggle with some millennials is the entitlement that does come sometimes of, you know, well, I deserve a raise, even though I didn't necessarily accomplish all my goals or do all the work I was instructed, like I was tasked to do. I deserve a raise because it's a new year. And, you know, I think I like, I want to make more money. And I, and it's, you know, there's of course working smarter, not harder, but I think, you know, it took a while for millennials to kind of get over themselves in the workforce. And so, um, that was a struggle for me for a little bit. Yeah. Get off the soapbox is what I was told through my (laughs) twenties. And I always said, I, I never considered myself like an expert. I really didn't. I was just hustling, not hustling. I'm not hustled. I was hustling. I was getting out there. I was selling. I was marketing. And, and I agree. I mean, a lot of times, you know, millennials have that title. I, mean, I did the same thing. You know, when my dad finally brought me on board, you know, legitimately, mm-hmm. um, he was like, what do you want your title to be? And I didn't want it to be my, my older brother's title that he used to have because I was like, oh, I don't want that. I don't want that title. I don't want to be a logistics manager. Right. So I was like, how about like fruit buyer slash logistics manager, you know, yeah. <laughs> coming up with, you know, Ooh, really fancy Pat. Right. You know, so um, I agree. Um, I, I had those entitlement issues in my twenties and, you know, I started my first company before I was at the age of 24 as, you know, an entrepreneur and brokering produce. So I did have entitlement issues. If, if you're listening right now and you know, the old Patrick Kelly, yeah, he's not really around that much anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've changed a lot. 
And I've learned, and even as I'm, you know, in my, you know, uh, later thirties now, uh, there are a lot of things I don't even care. Like, like someone's like, I, like I told you off the mic, I get offered jobs, like careers, positions, whatever you want to call it all the time. And they'll tell me, oh, well, this is your, you know, this is who you're reporting to. And this is your position. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, what's the mission and vision of the organization? Yeah. What's your guys' goals? You know what I mean? Not how much am I getting paid? What's your 401k? You know, you know what I mean? It's like a whole mm-hmm. different, whole different mindset. And, and then, like I said, it, it just changes in, in Gen Z, you, you know, they're making a, a, a way bigger difference. You know, do they believe in big brands? Not really. You know what I mean? They're, they're supporting more local. If they do catch on to a big brand who they better be sustainably correct and they better be politically correct or that yeah. can lose brand recognition immediately. Yeah. Um, what I do love about Gen Z is they don't let things get in their way. What do I mean by that? Um, a lot of Gen Zs have their phones on silent all the time, meaning they're not going to let someone disrupt them. They're going to check their messages maybe every hour. My sister-in-law is a Gen Z and she's right on the cusp of like millennial. And I'm like, you're such a millennial, but there's th- things that she does that I'm like, well, you didn't answer your phone. I called you five times. She's like, yeah, I had it on do not disturb. I'm like during the day. Yeah. <laughs> And in my head, in produce, you don't, you better not have your phone on, do not disturb. But what I love about that is their, the willingness to complete projects, the willingness yeah. to be focused and get things done. And it depends on what your job is, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I do love that. I can't put my phone on do not disturb until nighttime. So yeah. I, do, I do love that about them. And then the next generation they are called the alpha generation. Did you know that? Alex? No, I was wondering what we were going to call them. Dun, 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 I, dun, I have dun, a child dun, dun. in the alpha generation. I think I have three wow. in the alpha generation and the alpha generation. We're still developing. Now um, I do a lot of research with the Pew research board upcoming generations and alpha generation. They say that history repeats itself, Alex. There you go. They say that the alpha generation is going to be just like the silent generation. So wise and inspiring and <laughs> the going back, think about it like this. Someone told me, they go, well, how do you perceive that? I said, everything's based on how the world works right mm-hmm. now. If you look at when grandma thirties, right in the thirties, cause that's when my grandma was born. Yeah, mine were the, she was the twenties for me, but yeah, but still, that's still the same generation. The silent, yeah. I think the ni- 1910 to 19, it starts around 1910. Mm-hmm. But if you look at that generation, not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, single family households, one car. You look at the alpha generation today and the economy that we're growing up in, gas is going to be $7 a gallon by the time our kids are in their 20s. Wow. Think about it. Houses are going to be five to $700,000 that were $200,000 for us. Think about it. You, we didn't think about it now because when we bought houses, they were $200,000 when we were in our 20s and 30s. If you did, I bought my first house when I was like 21 and it was mm-hmm. $205,000 in California. Wow. In California. Good for you. Then I bought a house in Florida and it was over $300,000. So completely different, but a difference of 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. And if you go back to the 30s, 40s, 50s, they were buying houses at 15 to 20,000. They were buying cars for 3,000. You can't get an SUV for less than 80,000. Yeah. So if you start to look at the economical factors, right? And the research, it's going to show that the alpha gen is going to be more conservative. They're not going to spend their money because they don't have the disposable income that they're going to have. They might make $18 an hour, right? But it's going to cost 
fifty, sixty thousand dollars for a brand new car. You can't right. get cars for twelve thousand dollars anymore, Alex. I you know. Show me a brand new car that you can get for twelve thousand dollars, and I'm gonna be like, "Holy crap! Where'd you get that from?" Because I guarantee you have to fest special order one now. So that's the craziness of the next generation. So Gen Z, you get to jump to Gen Z now. Yeah. So I have, uh, I've managed two interns from Gen Z and I think I know, and you know, I, I was nervous. I'm like, wow, do I have the time to manage interns right now? And it's my first time managing Gen Z interns. And what I am loving about them is their creativity. And because they're the TikTok generation and Snapchat a little bit still, and, you know, all these different platforms, they're so creative or they know how to lean into someone else's creativity and they're not afraid to share their ideas. You were saying earlier, you know, they get the work done and that's exactly what I've experienced. Like I've never seen a generation work as hard and quickly and efficiently and creatively as I have with my experience with Gen Z. Now I'm sure not every Gen Zer is the same way, but I've also interviewed Gen Zs who go to school full-time and work full-time and, you know, who, who make it happen. And so that's what I'm loving about it. And then I think where I struggle with Gen Z is, you know, I still find them to be, you know, mysterious and unpredictable and, also, they, they make me feel old. I'm only 32, but they make me feel old. So maybe I don't like that about them. But um, otherwise, like I'm really having a great experience working with Gen Z so far. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. I've got a Gen Z that works in our office in California. And she was talking to me the other day and I was like, oh, bet. And she laughed at me and she goes, you say bet still? <laughs> That's so funny. And I was like, yeah, I still say dude. I still dude. say bro. I say chick. I like. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, <coughs> and I'm like, are you serious right now? She's like, yeah, people don't say bet anymore. She's like, sorry, just want to let you know. And I was like, now when I text her, I have to be very careful on some of my, <laughs> what, really some of my what acronyms and, and because she calls me out on them. Yeah. How do you feel about that? You're texting someone, they don't say that. And you're like, it's a, what? wait, who? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's totally. I, my sister, I think she was born in 94. What is she? She's a girl. No, I know. Is she a Gen Z? (laughs) (laughs) She just said she's your sister. So, I mean, we'll go with that. Um, So yeah, 1994. No. She millennial still? She's still millennial. Wow. Yeah. So I think, you know, what I, uh, what I love about learning from them is like, most Gen Z's, like, I don't feel like when they're talking to a millennial and they're like teaching us all the slang and the, you know, all the cool things, like they're not like condescending about it, where I feel like us millennials, we were teaching the boomers what to say. We were kind of like, come on. Like, I remember teaching my mom YOLO and, and, and then she would use it in like an awkward way. I'm like, no mom, don't say that. Say it this in this way or whatever. And so, yeah. And then you learn, you know, bet is out and now it's, period. So, you know, it's, there's, there's new slang every day. We can't keep up. 100%. And you know, what's, what's great about this is everybody is that we, we have to develop the right relationship though. Right, Alex, because Mm -hmm. if you don't develop the right relationship with each of these generations, and we talked about a lot, we loved about it. I'm glad we stuck on that because there's a lot of things I hate about all the generations. And, and I think that even my own generation, millennials, I, I hate, 
a lot of things about it. I hate that we get the kickback of, of being the me, me, me generation, mm-hmm. the narcissist, right? And, and it's so funny. We've even been coined the selfie uh, generation. Oh, yeah, totally. Right? I mean, Time Magazine has put out so many, I would say, flops on, on – um, on the millennials. I've, I've written time magazine so many times. I've talked to their editor in chief and I'm like, why won't you write a good feature on a millennial? And he's yeah. like, show me a good feature. And I tried to show him myself. And he's like, sounds like you're just trying to do me, me, me. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, it's for a generation. I'm like, you know, so um, I think every relationship, right. The relationship you have with your parents, uh, the relationship you have with your colleagues, right? Each one of these relationships is going to coin how you move forward in life exactly. because you could walk in every day and go, I hate those boomers. I hate them. It doesn't mean you don't have to respect them. You know, my buddy told me he's in the air force and he said, Patrick, he goes every four to eight years, I get a new commander in chief. Mm. Think about it. He goes, I am a registered RD or I, right? He, I'm not going to say what he is. He's registered as whatever political party that he is. He goes, Patrick, we get a new boss, commander in chief every four to eight years. I might not like him, but I'll tell you what, he's my commander in chief. And I'll tell you what, I'll respect him. Wow. Is that not, and that's, that's from our military mindset. But what if, what if we all took that mindset? I don't have to like you, but when we're at work, game face is on. I'm going to respect you and let you talk and let you lean and let you learn. And And I believe millennials do that wrong. As soon as millennials get challenged, we're like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Hold on. Back it up a second. First of all, it was yellow, not blue. Yeah. (laughs) It could be something as small as that. So relationships is key, everyone. And speaking of relationships, Alex, let's, let's stop, take a quick break, hear from our sponsors, and then get right back to talking about the generations. Discover Orchard Freshness on Amazon Fresh with Arctic Apple Slices. Arctic Apple stays Orchard Fresh longer than other prepackaged, pre-sliced apples. This means less waste and no more half-eaten apples. Plus, you'll love the undeniable freshly picked flavor. Arctic Apple Slices are available in convenient grab-and-go bags in both Arctic Golden or Arctic Granny varieties in select markets on Amazon Fresh. Packable, snackable, 100% irresistible. Are you ready to enhance your skills? Every day we are tasked to make fast, effective decisions to keep up with the fast-paced produce industry. At AgTools, we take the pressure off of gathering data to help make your day easier and more enjoyable. Connecting the supply chain with AgTools is unique, practical, and easy. AgTools can be used from multiple angles of the produce industry, from farmers all the way to logistics companies. We call that 360-degree decision-making day after day. Visit us at www.agtechtools.com to gain more reliable and relevant data to see more, achieve more. And now, back to our show. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. It's always great to hear from dynamite companies producing dynamite content for the produce industry. Now, today, we're talking all things generations with Alex Jackson of Frida's. And guess what, everyone? We're having the time of our life talking about what we love and what we hate about all you baby boomers, Gen Xers, and millennials out there. Uh, But let's get Alex back on the line and start having a little more chat about how to embrace change. So Alex, welcome back. Hi, yeah, thanks. Glad to be back. I'm having a great time chatting with you. 
the time of my life. Seriously. I mean, I'm having a great time. I love this topic. I was told when I was a kid that I'm still called a kid, by the way, just, and I know you are too. Um, you know, back when I was a kid, I was told, Patrick, this is a really controversial subject. I don't know why you want to tackle this so young in your career. Don't you feel that you're going to be biting the hand that feeds you? And I was like, huh? (laughs) I'm like, what are we talking about here? I'm like, I I love research. I love the generations. Yes. Are there negatives? Yes. Are there positives? Yes. But overall, the goal is to help millennials and boomers thrive together in life and work. And if we could do that with all generations, don't you think that that will embrace change? And, And what do you think, Alex? How could we embrace change in these upcoming generations? Yeah, it's so funny that that setup, what I was thinking about was, you know, I've heard a speaker talk about why the generations are the way they are. You kind of touched earlier on the relationship with your parents and current world events, how those really actually truly shape and form generations. And what that speaker taught me was the more you understand each generation, including your own and, you know, the good and the difficult, I don't want to say bad, but the good things and maybe the difficult or challenging things about each generation, the more you're able to really build stronger relationships with your colleagues, with your team members, you manage, whoever it may be, even family members, like you really can, you know, education is around these generations is so important. And, you know, we at Frida's have had a lot of change over the last several years. Of course, everyone had big changes with COVID, but of, you know, because of COVID, we were able to make some really big changes in our company. And our, our president, Karen, had before COVID really told everyone on our team, you know, hey, get ready for change. You know, Frida's, we're, we don't want to just be who we've been for, you know, at now 60 years we want to continue to evolve and change. And that's what we've done. And the way we've been able to retain our talent, recruit more talent in while also changing is educating one another on ourselves, on our generations, on our strengths, on our opportunities for growth. So I think not being afraid to learn more about yourself, your own personality through different personality assessments, learning more about the generations that you work with, report to that report to you, that's going to make change in a company a lot easier to manage. 100%. Uh, 100% agree. And and I think as we start to change more, um, we'll start to see that, you know, um, <laughs> I'm going to Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to eat some of these words, but I'm totally okay with it. Um, I I watch all of these associations just bring, you know, older talent on board. And I watch these panels and I've been a part of some, don't get me wrong. I've, I've hosted some of these panels, but it's interesting because they're like, Oh, we need the 30 year veteran. Okay. And I respect that. I'm going to tell you, ready, Alex, you heard it. I'm going to respect it. Right. (laughs) Yep. Okay. But I'm also going to tell you when it's relevant or irrelevant. And you can't have the older generation coming on board and giving a history lesson to a group of people that weren't in the business during that time period. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I've seen and I've seen that a lot that, you know, the older generation. All right. You know what? Boomers. I'm just going to say it. I'll throw it out there. All right, boomers. I'm, I'm calling you out. OK, um, you get a lot of boomers that they're like, you know, I've been here for 40 years. Um, 
I've dedicated my career to this. So, you know, why am I, why are you up there? I should be up there. And, and then they get up there, but then they don't know what to talk about. Mm -hmm. They talk about things that happened in 1997, or they talk about 9-11 or the recession. If you get millennials, and especially nowadays, listen, we know the history. Trust me, we, we, we were there too. But it's got to be relevant to the fact. And, and even my dad, my dad's a, a baby boomer. And I tell him sometimes, you know, he'll tell me, Pat, I don't, I don't get that podcast thing you do. I, I don't get why people listen to it, right? You know, that was his comments before. Can you really even make a living off stuff like this? It's like, wait a minute. We've done the same thing here. Aren't you going to respect that fact too? But these boomers, they come to that point where it's like, no, we want to talk about a me, me, me generation. We're going on boomers being 15 years past their times in the same position. Boomers have held positions as presidents, CEOs, and high-level directors for almost 20 years plus. My dad has been the president of the organization for over 20 years. Yeah. 20 years, Alex. And, and I respect that. He's done a great job, right? Mm -hmm. But that's where we have to look at it and say, but is it relevant to today? When a 30-year-old buyer comes on, does my dad treat him with respect? And let's not use my dad, but anybody. Will right. a boomer treat him with respect? Or will he say, hey, great to have you on board. Let me tell you what I've been doing with your organization for the past 25 years. And this is how we're going to do business. And this is what we're going to do. And then you get that 30-year-old that says, I'm good. I don't, I don't want to do it that way. I've got my own ideas and I've been procuring to be in this position. And you know, I'm thinking about going this way. And then what does the boomer do? He goes over the uh, buyer's head and goes right to the president and says, well, I've been here for 20 years. You can't kick me out. Come on, Alex. You can't say we haven't heard some of these crazy stories. Yeah, but definitely. It's, it's time to say, how can we bring that in? Maybe instead of going in with that 30-year-old buyer, maybe you got to bring in Alex, the 32-year-old with the president to say, hey, I want you to meet our upcoming generation. Mm -hmm. We're going to be gone in eight years, and this is going to be your connection over the next 20 years. And I think we need to embrace that a little bit more. The associations need to bring on more younger talent, not as volunteers, Alex. I'm talking right, exactly. to associations. Stop asking us to volunteer our time. We're almost 40. We've been volunteering for 20 years. Yeah. You got to start bringing young leaders on board to start making decisions and helping this industry grow. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where I think we really need to embrace change within the generational gap within the industry. Oh, definitely. And our industry, you know, the, the leaders of our industry now, and I'm probably overgeneralizing a bit here, grew, you know, they either grew up in the industry or grew up in a family business, or if they work for a retailer, they worked their way up. And then there was a period of time when all of us millennials were getting hired. It was, oh, they got they went through our leadership training program and now they're a category manager. So because of their leadership training program, their experience, when really they have no produce background, they've never been in the stores. So they, they bring a different perspective, but you know, we've been trying our industry for the last 10 years has been trying to get different people in the roles without changing the responsibility of the roles or without changing the perspective. That's so they, true. Yeah. Without changing the perspective of what they want that role to bring to the table. And so then they go, oh, well, that person's not working. Or they say, I'm not enjoying my job here. I'm not making an impact because no one wants to change how we approach produce or no one wants to change how we approach marketing. So they leave. And then it's like, wow, we have all these empty positions. And I've seen so many retailers right now just currently 
really struggling with retaining talent. And it's because they're putting square pegs into round holes. And what I'm experiencing as a leader at Frida's and as someone who wants to you know, be leading this company is it's about finding the right people who are going to be culture additions to your company or to your team and not creating a job for them, but saying, I like your perspective you bring. I'm going to teach you the day-to-day of the job, but I really want you to bring your lens. These are your goals. Your goals need to be achieved. And I like your style. I like your approach. I like your, your view of this issue or of this type of category or whatever it is. So, you know, I think we need to, you know, it's crazy to me that in the produce industry, we're still going to events and seeing a panel of all three old white dudes. And I'm ready for that to just be long gone. And so was everyone else, even all the other old white dudes in the room are ready for change. And it's time to not only have more women on these panels, more diversity from, you know, like cultural diversity on these panels, generational diversity on these panels, and not saying you're the young one in the room. What do you think? But saying, you know, your generation represents this. So please tell, share more with us about that. And I I think we can get there, but to me, it's time. It's long overdue. I a hundred percent agree. You know, you made me think of one of my favorite authors, Richard Florida. Not just because I live in Florida. Okay. Alex, don't (laughs) start. Listen, I'm sorry, Ms. Jackson, but I am for real. Okay. Oh, there we go. There it is. Hold the tape. Just stop. Okay. (laughs) So Richard Florida, great author. I recommend you reading this book. It's called Rise of the Creative Class. Okay. The crazy thing about this, this book was published probably over, over 10 years ago. I read this when I was in college at Fresno State. Yeah, that's right, everybody. I went to college. Um, (laughs) I don't tell people that, but I did. Um, But I read this book and, and I remember my professor, he, he kept telling me, Patrick, this is you, man. This is you, dude. This is you. And I'd be like, okay, what do you mean? And I'm going to read this to you. And I hope all of you listen, but, oh, okay. So initially this book was published in 2002, the rise of the creative class. Now Mm -hmm. I'm telling you this book, I can't believe if you haven't heard of it, you're going to look at it and be like, Patrick, thank you for turning me on to this. Yeah, I can't wait. Think about this. This is quickly achieved like status so fast because of a new social class that made up people, right? Think about it. Engineers managers, academia, musicians, researchers, designers, entrepreneurs, lawyers, poets, and programmers who work turns on the creation of new forms and new ideas, right? Mm -hmm. So millions of people were beginning to work and live much like artists and scientists always had. And this creative class, Florida Observed, was determining not just the style of the workplace, but which companies would power or prosper over what their employees did. Or would they go bankrupt? Or even which cities would thrive? In the rise of the creative class, Richard Florida further refines the occupational, demographic, psychological, and economical profile of the creative class, meaning that what you bring into your job, they should respect and love what you do outside of work. Because if you have the passion and love outside of work, you'll bring that same passion and love inside of work. Well, then we will continue to shape and understand our economy, our culture, and at large, a changing geography. Yeah, that's so true and so powerful. And 
you know, one thing that I, I love, I know we didn't really touch on Gen X too much shocker. Um, but one thing I got him, we got him. One thing I do, you know, I manage those who are on the cusp of Gen X and millennial and some Gen Xers is when they believe in their leadership and they feel supported by those that they work them, that they work for, or that lead them. And they believe in the brand, like at Frida's, if they believe in the brand and they believe in me as their leader, Karen as their leader, whoever, that creates loyalty and in turn, great performance. And when I see that as a manager, I, I also want them to be able to achieve their goals. And that's not just for Gen X. This is for everyone is I want my entire team to achieve their personal goals, to share their passions that they have outside of work with us at work, because when we can be supportive of each other and interested in each other, like as whole people, you're going to build better performance. You're going to build better leaders. You're going to build people who want to grow with you. And I, I've learned so much through that experience and um, it's exciting. It's actually really fun. Like I, I, I get a thrill off of seeing someone I manage grow and also get to take a break and live their lives. And so to hear that, having that kind of whole, whole person approach to your team members that work for you um, is really encouraging. It, re- it really is. Right. And and I'll tell you, I'll give you some advice, everyone, even though you might not ask for it. Um, But, you know, try asking, you know, Alex, you were talking about what you, you know, what you like, what you don't like and how we touch on them. But the main focus is questions, right? Mm -hmm. Remember back in the days, gosh, you know, when we used to ask why our parents would be like, excuse me, you do not question me. Right. It was like, why? Yeah, because well, I said so. Because I said so. Oh my gosh. Throw that in the trash, light it on fire and pour gasoline on it. Yes. Mine was always a question of knowledge. I would ask why, because I really wanted to know. I wasn't asking why to diminish your leadership. I was asking why, because I thought about it and said, hmm, why are we doing it this way? Why do labels go on left or right? I don't know. And you can't expect me to know if you don't train me. And, and that's one big thing that I, wanna, I wanted to touch on too, which we might not have time, but you know, the training. So try asking your people what they need because they might come back to you and say, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. And this is what I need. And you know what? Those three powerful statements can revolutionize your business. I'm telling you, it will, it'll take you to another level because you know what your employees need, what they like and what they dislike. Now the boomers might say, I don't care what you like or what you don't like. This is my company. You do what I say, but to attract new talent, to get Gen Z on board, to keep your millennials in the place, to give them the next role of leaderships. Let's start asking some questions. Let's start figuring out and drilling down any areas of conflict, right? Figure out, is it workplace versus workspace like we've talked about? Probably not in the world of COVID and and transitioning to at-home offices. Heck, maybe it's marriage and family. Does marriage and family get in the way? Do you need more time off work? Is it technology, right? Is it your schedule? Let's talk about these things. Let's ask our people what they need, what they love, what they like, and ready? Change. A revolution is coming, everyone. It is. And you can either be on the forefront of it 
which is change, right? Because change mm-hmm. is a good thing. Yeah, it is. And I agree with you. I, I, I am a anybody that knows me, you can call. <laughs> I can give you 10 dynamic women's names right now. And they will be like, Patrick is a full supporter of women leadership. And I say that because I am, because I agree with you. I am tired of seeing old white men with glasses and blue blazers and khaki pants on stage with penny loafers. I can't do it anymore, Alex. Yeah, I know, right? I can't, I can't do it. And that's what was so great to have Bo Jackson as a speaker even though he was going on, he's going on 60 years old. That conversation was elevated. It wasn't just, oh, you know, here we're doing. He was talking about bringing kids into trying his products. It was just, it was, it really helped me go, hey, we've got something here. Let's keep moving with this. And I want to see more women. I want to see more diversity. I want to see more cultural diversity. I want to see more people coming and telling us their stories on how we can improve and utilize opportunities to build this industry together. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you were talking about it's, it's all about what our teams want and need to help them be successful. And long gone are the days where you have people wanting just to come to work, work, you know, nine to five, collect their paycheck and move on and, and be a robot in the office building. There's people who want to make a difference at work. Of course, they want to make a living. They want to support their families. Everyone at the end of the day is trying to make a living and the right team members are the ones that are also trying to make a difference, trying to grow a business, trying to grow a brand, trying to make a name for themselves. Some people's goals are about knowing that they made an impact on someone or something. And so to be able to go to your teams and say, what do you need? What do you think? What are you wondering about? That's so impactful. And most what I've learned is for a while, like I was the one that maybe had the, the, was the best resource for a certain project or question to be answered. And especially in the last year, I've noticed that it's better for our company for certain conversations to be had as a group and to say, what do you guys think? What are you hearing? What are you seeing? What do you need? And, you know, there's times where it's definitely the opposite of what I thought and they were right. And, and that's all I care about is what's best for the company. And that's what the team cares about. So I totally agree and relate to that. And, you know, a good leader is one that knows that if you're not growing or changing, you're dying. And you have to grow, you have to change if you want to survive, not only in produce, but in any industry. You said it, you know, I talked to my dad about that all the time. I said, the day you grow old, and he always tells me, I'm an old man. I'm an old man. Well, guess what? Dan Avakian is not an old man. I'll tell you Mm -hmm. that right now. And the day you grow old is the day you stop learning. That's it. So if you accept that you're done, done changing, because learning is change. You can't learn something and say, you you have a choice. You have a choice. Ready? Condemn or collaborate. Mm -hmm. When you start to get that change, you can either say, no, that's not what we do. Or you can open your ears. You got two of them. Okay. (laughs) And you can say, huh? Okay. But you've got the choice, condemn or collaborate. And with change, if you decide to condemn it, you are being really stuck in your ways. You're not opening your mindset to move forward or to allow something to happen. You want to fight it all the way until the end. And my, my co-author Hans Finzel would say that all the time. He would say what you got, Patrick, you, 
you're not a millennial. And I would say, oh, no, I'm a millennial. And he, and he would say, but you, you got old school in you. And I would always tell him, he would tell me all the time, because you always teach me so much. And I would say, but listen, I'm allowed to be like my dad, right? You're allowed to be like your mom. But guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the good and filter out the bad and make the best of the situation that I can. That's it. Yeah, definitely. So before we get off, because we've had a great time talking about generations, what, what can we expect from the next generations or what do you think they should expect from us? I think what we can expect is pressure to actually make a difference in the world. I think, you know, the millennials, the older millennials were the ones that started those, you know, buy one, give one uh, business models to, you know, Tom's shoes, buy a pair of shoes, you know, get a pair of shoes delivered to a child or someone in need. And so that is going to be the expectation, whether it's with hunger, sustainability, climate change, even if you agree or disagree, this next generation is going to expect us to do better for the world, not just for our bottom lines. And I think what we should expect of them is to bring creative ideas to, to achieve that. I think, you know, we should, we should also lean into what ideas do they have and run with it, not feel like they should tell us what to do. And then we figure it out because if that, if that were the case of what's going to work, we would have done it by now. And we haven't as a general population. So I'm excited for the future. Of course, you know, depending on what day it is, there's a lot going on in this world. But when I meet younger Gen Zs and as I'm raising a generation alpha, adorable little boy, you know, I'm excited for what difference they're going to force the rest of us to actually make in our businesses and in, you know, the, the communities we live in, the industries we operate in, and then eventually the world that, you know, that we're a part of. Hundred percent, and don't worry that that little boy will will test you to the limits as he gets older as well. My ten year old does everything's why to him, everything's stupid to him. Why would you do that? That's such and he and he knows he he's on this okay boomer kick as well, and he'll even say that to me sometimes. He'll be like, "Dad, come on, come on," and I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Come on, boomer," and I'm like, "Stop it." He'll be like, "You're acting like grandpa," and I'm like, "Oh my god, no, he didn't." Yeah. I'm like sitting over here wilding up my fist. Like, I'm going to get you. Like, you know, I'm like Popeye over here. I just ate some spinach. I'm like, come here, come here. You know, let me get you. But, you know, it's, it's crazy. And I think that, you know, in a time where we grew up, it was putting food on the table and a house over your head. I think times have changed. Children know that as well. Back when my dad said, I have to go to work or you're not going to have food. I was like, okay, love you, dad. Have a great day. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember my dad would leave every day and say, all right, everyone, I'm going to work. I'm going to go make lots of money. And it's like, I, I sometimes think about that. I was like, I don't think I've ever said that to my kids. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's a different life. So I think it's amazing of every change that we get to go through. And my father said it to me. He said, Patrick, I, I, I feel for you, my son. And he says it to me all the time. My son, my son. He's so My son, my son. He says it to all of us boys. That's so cute. And I would say, why? And then he'd go, listen, you know, in my lifetime, I've only had to change maybe two, three times. Mm -hmm. He goes, you know, from the seventies growing up to the nineties, you know, to the two thousands. Right. He goes, and then the iPhone, he goes, that's it. He goes, Patrick, he goes, you've had to change in the nineties. You had to change in the two thousands. You had to change when the technology came about. 
He goes, you're going to change another two, three times before you're retired. Yeah. He goes, you have a lot of work ahead of you. And I didn't even think about that, Alex, Mm -hmm. until he said it because I'm so used to change. But I started to think, he goes, think about it. When, when he goes, when your son is 30, he goes, how old are you going to be? I said, you know, oh, what's 30? He's 20. I had him when I was 26. So yeah, 30 years old. I mean, I'm going to be just around 56 to 66, you know, in that range. My math's just thrown off right now, but you know, I'm going to be in my sixties and this guy, I, I don't even know. Like I'm, it, it, that's what baffles me, Alex, is that that's what my dad said. And he goes, and think about it. He goes, you will not in 30 years from now or 20 years from now, he goes, you were not going to be the same person as you are today in your thirties. He goes, and then think about your child entering the workforce or being a CEO or an entrepreneur at the age of 30 or something like that. And I was just like, I can't think about that right now. It'll stress yeah. me out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Change is stressful, but we can do, we can do hard things. It's so, it's so true. So everyone, like I said out there, um, you know, we want to encourage you to work together with each and every generation. We want to encourage you to embrace change. We want to encourage you to ask questions. We want to encourage you to open your hearts, open your minds, open your ears uh, to listen and build this community together. Here, we're in the produce and supply chain industry. And as I always say, we're here to grow this industry together. I've said it multiple times on the line today, and that's what it's about. Each one of these generations, we're here for you, whether you're a millennial, a Gen X, a boomer, a Gen Z, or an alpha, everyone here is part of the same world and we're all trying to learn and get through it together. Mm -hmm. Right, 100%. So Alex, I've had a great time. Let's uh, let our listeners know if they want to get a hold of yourself or the organization, how can they go about doing that? Yeah, so you can find Frida's online at Frida's.com. That's I before E except after C. So F-R-I-E-D-A-S.com. And our Instagram handle is Frida's Produce. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Alex Jackson, who works for Frida's. I'm sure there's many Alex Jacksons, but look for the one who works at Frida's. And I look forward to connecting with anyone who wants to continue the conversation, learn about specialty produce, or even, you know, enter the produce industry. So thank you so much for having me, Pat. This was an awesome conversation and experience, and I really appreciate it. I love it. And one more song to throw this off. Alex is like, you could find me. She's like, you could find me in the club with the bottle of bub, mama. You know what? Okay. A millennial staple bop. Everyone, as I say, we'll see you in the field and on the horizon. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.